You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the fabulous 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones, and also there is no flash photography, please. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 54 Below podcast. My name is Kevin Ferguson, an assistant programming director here at the club, and our guest today is an award-winning musical theater composer who is no stranger to 54 Below, most known for winning the Write Out Loud contest with his musical theater hit, Little Miss Perfect. Our guest also wrote music for the Sony Pictures film, Lao Lao Crocodile, and is a 2021 Jonathan Larson finalist. He returns to 54 in February with an encore performance of this show, The Black Boy Joyful Noise. Please help me welcome Jariah Kwame. Jariah, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here digitally. All right. The crowd goes crazy. They're like, oh, shoot, it's Jariah. This is so exciting. Listen, how you feeling? I'm feeling really good. I, I had a wonderful holiday new year. It was rejuvenating. What about you? How was your holiday season? Oh, festive. Festive and exhausting. Oh, good. But festive to say the least. Yeah. Good. I was able That's to stay amazing. in New York and just like hang out with my boo and all my friends. And that was really fun. But now we're in a whole new year. Yes. Like, isn't that crazy? We're in I the know. future now. 2023. Time is going so fast. 2023. To think that it's been three years since the beginning of this recent fiasco of COVID and everything is absolutely insane to, to think about. It's time flew, but also it feels like it's been 25 okay. years. And we're going to talk about the 25 years today because I love bringing artists okay. on this podcast and having COVID be one of the points we talk about. Because just to hear how all the artists yeah. got through their own moment. But before we even get there, we got to tell the people who you are for the people who aren't already your fans. I mean, you're so known. You have so many fans. You've done so many shows. You've written so many beautiful stories. But I'll I'll let you tell the people. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so my name is Jariah Kwame. Um, I am a musical theater writer and just writer of sorts and performer as well. I love all things story, music, community. um, That really excites me. I started music really at a young age, um, at first at church, and then found my way to the stage uh, as far as R&B and neo-soul hip-hop, and then found Stephen Sondheim and was like, whoa, musical theater, what is this? And since then, it's been a whirlwind of creativity and experimentation and, and, and just like learning, playing by ear, literally. And 
yeah, now I'm working on a bunch of, of shows and development that are in different stages, and I'm just off the heels of working on Lyle Lyle Crocodile, mm-hmm. the feature film with Pasek and Paul, um, and yeah, things are really starting to kick off in my career, and I'm so blessed and honored to be in the greatest city okay. in the world making musicals. <laughs> yes, sing so, it. <laughs> yeah, that's a little a little bit about me. I, I love that. Okay, so when did it start, though? Like, where did it start? Where, where are you from? Yeah. So I am from Kalamazoo, Michigan, oh, which is a very small, yeah, I'm a Midwest boy, corn fed through <laughs> and through, and um, yeah, I'm from a small town called Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's a very homey, kind of liberal, artsy town, um, right there, smack dab in the middle of Michigan, pretty much, and yeah, I grew up kind of in church, singing in that way, and I was always taught that music is something that surpasses a sonic Mm. experience and can touch people and change people's mind, obviously, in the context of church. Um, And so then musical theater ended up being a nice gateway of being able to express, but also inspire, and... um, I kind of started doing, my mom is a fifth grade teacher, so she would always uh, be like one of the only black teachers at the school, so she would always be heading the black history programs, you know, in February, and so I would normally come and perform, and then this one year, when I was in middle school, and Smash was out, oh, the TV yes. show Smash, where they're, you oh, know yeah. it. Of course we know the iconic TV show Smash. Okay, great. Yes. People don't be knowing. I be having to check people. Um, and and I was like, okay, what if I do, what if this February I do a musical based on Martin Luther King Jr.'s life? And, and we produce it. And my mom was like, you know how to do that? And I was like, no, but I'm going to figure it out. And so my first musical I wrote when I was 13 was called Dream, a new musical. And it was about Martin Luther King Jr. And we produced it locally with a bunch of black kids who had never done theater before. And I got to see my idea go from like a Google Doc to this stage Mm -hmm. in my hometown. And my community came and supported and we sold tickets and my family helped me put it together. And I immediately was just so moved and inspired by that experience of seeing my show on stage that I, I just couldn't stop doing it. And so since then, it was a lot of experimentation and producing things on my own. And then in 2019, I won Taylor Lauderman's Write Out Loud competition for my song Little Miss Perfect, which was completely crazy. And then it went viral online. And that kind of happened right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then everything kind of lo- launched, honestly, from mm-hmm. there. And it's been crazy. It's been crazy and so fast. And um, yeah. I feel like I just no. That's it. perfect. No, I mean it is. It is a matter of just like time. Feeling like it's happening so fast, and you look back on like how yeah. you got here. It's just like so many years went by in between you. You know, right in the MLK show and you winning the Right Out Loud show. But for you, it felt like it moved so fast because it all just kept happening. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, I I yeah. I'm from Ohio and I also grew up oh. yeah Midwest. Come on, I uh, I grew up doing yes. uh, children's theater. So at a young age, being able to see like magic on stage come alive is so exciting. Yeah. I would imagine it's even more exciting when you're that kid who's it's your show that you you saw come to life. Yeah. You know. That experience I get now when I produce concerts at 54, when I have an idea and then I'm there the night mm. of the show and I'm like, oh, I had this idea and now it's out in real life. I yes. feel like that moment is so exciting, especially for creatives and writers. And I, I, I wonder with you writing songs, do you know ahead of time that they're going to work? Like, how did you feel about the one that won the Write Out Loud song going into the contest? So this is... 
That is a great, great question. And that actually speaks to a point I was going to make when you were talking about um, the beauty of, you know, giving up the show and seeing it, seeing it come to fruition and knowing that you created it. There's a transitive property, I would say, of you as a writer, you really do have to let go of your... Craig, I worked with Craig Carnelia. I'm rambling, but I, I worked with Craig Carnelia, this amazing composer. I, I did this Johnny Mercer songwriting project, and he was one of the master teachers. And he said that like writing a song is creating an object. Like you are creating something that belongs to you. And like even though it's not necessarily something that can be physical, it is like something that belongs to you. It's your intellectual property, and there's something that happens when you have to give it away in a way and when, when when it becomes something that belongs to other people and that can be the horrifying part but that can be the most beautiful part of, of realizing that you put your soul into something and then you you have to give it up and to answer your question a great example of how it's not I had to realize it's not about me was Little Miss Perfect I wrote this song in 30 minutes in a practice room while I was in college it was for a charity project I was doing at the time and I submitted this big folder to Taylor of all what I thought were my best songs. And it was like maybe 12 songs. And Little Miss Perfect was not originally in it. Mm -hmm. After I had submitted, like a week later, I had coincidentally wrote the song. And I was like, oh, Taylor actually would maybe sound good on this. Maybe I'll throw it in the folder because I had done like a Google Drive folder so I could could, um, update it afterwards. And so I did that. And then time passed. And when she finally... And I found out that I had been picked, and she was like, you should be very proud of your song, Little Miss Perfect. I was initially like, what? Like, that song, that, like, poppy, kind of more fluffy, upbeat song out of all this, what I thought was, like, ruling art that I had put in this folder. And so I was, like, judging the song in that way. And then this transitive property, giving it away once it went viral, and I got flooded Mm -hmm. with comments and thousands and thousands of comments from people all over the world saying hearing this song is what made me come out hearing Mm. this song is what made me not take my own life when i was in a really dark place and i've had really young people reach out to me saying very some heartbreaking things but mostly amazingly inspiring things about what this song means Mm -hmm. to them and that is when the song to me really meant something more was to see what it meant to other people. And I think that's the beautiful part of being a writer. Yeah, that is. I I feel like that is so beautiful to be able to create something that in a way saves people. You know, you're like a hero with your art. Oh, thank you. And that's so exciting. Now, when you're writing your stories, you, you are coming from like a creative storytelling place. What would you say is the genre of most of your storytelling? Are you out here trying to give motivational music or are you trying to give a horror movie that has this deep metaphor to it? Like, what would you say your brand of sound is? So, you know, that is right now, I am working on so many. I'm lucky enough to to have about five or six shows like in development going through production right now that are under reps. I'm so excited to be able to share a lot of it, but they're they're very different. I have one show um, that is a um, it's like a prequel to a Shakespeare story Mm -hmm. is is what I can say, and it's being commissioned by Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and I'm working on that. I'm actually going to Chicago next week Mm -hmm. for a second workshop, so that one is like completely different. And then I'm working on a couple of. Uh, movie to stage adaptations mm. um, and so there's that and that's interpreting someone else's work and interpreting another IP um, and then I am based, I have a musical based on that song Little Miss Perfect that went viral and that is 
kind of been my passion project and it's been I've actually been able to write to an audience in a fan base that already mm-hmm. exists. And so for that, there's this layer of like the demographics of the people who like are a fan of it and trying to make sure that their interests are represented in while keeping it as diverse as possible. Mm-hmm. And so the music has to be poppier and more commercial. And so I would say that less than I have any sort of genre or topical um, preference or tendencies, I feel as though the storytelling that I'm drawn to has a sense of a sense of like some sort of cerebral quality Mm, or a sense of some sort of uplifting out of our normal reality and either going, I think I'm inspired a lot by Into the Woods Mm. and in these moments where the show stops and we go into these fairy tale characters' heads and we understand more deeply why they made such a simple decision. Mm -hmm. That I think embedded itself into my mind and now I'm always trying to find ways to like have that moment with the audience where you zoom into someone's mind or you zoom into someone's heart or you zoom out to a bigger macrocosm metaphor. And I'm always interested in finding ways to not be so literal and use music and storytelling to conjure thought and emotion in a way that feels, um, I don't know, interesting yeah. and fun. And and yeah, I like to be inspired by the world and research and and. and learn about different cultures and different music styles maybe that I haven't written before and bring that to the pieces as appropriate. So, yeah, yeah just a little bit of everything, honestly. I like that. I mean, you mentioned Neo Soul and Sondheim earlier. So yeah. that's just yeah. a mixture that I feel like Broadway musical theater needs. You know what I mean? I feel like Ooh. I feel like the brain of somebody who knows Neo Soul and show tunes I just that it gets me excited mm. of what that would sound like. Now, when you say neo soul and Sondheim, you said into the woods, but who neo soul wise or outside of musical theater music genre do you feel like you're really inspired by? So I guess like I'll go through the I'll go through the time periods. Um, Duke Ellington, Ella oh, Fitzgerald yes. okay. are very big for me, and then we can move forward a little bit. And there's excuse me, there's. I'm, I'm trying to go, go linear. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson is big for me. Luther Vandross, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. I mean, Erica Badu. Um, artists like Kim. Yes. Uh, uh, artists like I really love Jill Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, Chloe and Halle nice. are amazing to me. Beyonce, of course. <laughs> um, Destiny's Child, the 90s era of pop icons. I'm just really inspired by black culture and finding ways to to heighten the things that are so that are so embedded in our culture and that we know how to appreciate and not just make it commercial but bring that culture into musical theater because I think a, a big thing of it is there hasn't been that many black composers mm-hmm. to bring our sound to Broadway in a modern mm-hmm. way and so I look forward to being able to find ways to work this inspiration into all my pieces not just pieces that are topical to one thing but like you know, other styles of music, they are embedded in the Broadway canon. Like, we have those iconic 60s Elvis rocks, which, I mean, let's be honest, Elvis is also doing, okay. black, doing black music. But the, the point that I'm making is, like, we there's not been a lot of opportunities for black artists to pay homage or do references to our niche yep. sounds in musical theater. And so that's something that I'm always finding avenues to do because I think it's so important that we have not only representation as far as people but also references and and the sounds and in the lyrics the sounds the the stories yes yes 
Yes. See, I'm so. excited. And listen, and I'm most excited for the Black Boy Joyful Noise in February. Okay, yeah. Okay, you're bringing your show yes. to the 54 in February. Talk more about yes. Black Boy Joyful Noise. Yeah, so Black Boy Joyful Noise, this will be the encore performance. I did it for the first time August 5th last mm-hmm. year. Um, we had a lot of amazing talent. It sold out. It was so fun. So basically, the night is... Oh, and we're doing it again. I'm, look at me, not plugging okay. my own show. <laughs> we're doing it again February 27th at 9.30 p.m. at 54 Below. Um, and it's going to be amazing. It basically is just projects, songs from different projects, standalone songs, pop songs that I've written. There's really no theme. I call it Black Boy Joyful Noise because I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Like I, it's just my favorite music that I've written right now. The music that I find people enjoy the most, the, the most, <laughs> enjoy the most. And I'm um, just trying to like create a cohesive night of like good sonics and like important messages but also like you know subtly plugging some of the projects that have coming but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be fabulous and we have a really exciting lineup that's building we don't have it all set yet but it's gonna be something you don't want to miss so if you can please come check no, it out No, they gotta come check it out i mean you yeah. are on a track record that you you're you're just getting bigger and bigger every year i mean like you said from 2020 <sighs> to now it's been kind of like night and day for you. Meanwhile, a lot yeah. of people's 2020s were like uneventful or dramatic in a negative way. Yours was very eventful and dramatic kind of in like an exciting way. You want to speak more on that? Yeah, it was it was very that. So for context, so this is the full thing. March 2020, I had moved to New York from Michigan. I had saved money finally. I was like, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to take that bold leap. This is after Limb is Perfect had come out, but it hadn't reached the height of what it was going to be. So I didn't really have anything major, finite. I was just, you know, making that bold move. So I moved March. And as we know, March of 2020 is when everything happened. Thankfully, I was going month to month in Bed-Stuy. Mm. So by the 19th, on the 19th day, when a lot of crazy stuff had happened, I was like, I think that my spirit is telling me I need to go home and that I'm going to regret staying here and being stuck here if this gets somehow gets worse, which seemed so far-fetched right. at the time. But then, sure enough, I went back home to Michigan for what I thought was going to be a couple months, and everything fell apart. So there I was um, in Michigan, and... It was just really depressing. Mm. I had it had been my life goal. I had finally taken this bold leap, and this was like the worst case. And like so many people, mm. I'm sure felt when they when they were being brave at that time when the world decided that bravery was stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so then it was like hopeless in Michigan. I had gotten into this the Johnny Mercer songwriting project, which is this thing that's supposed to happen. It's an it's an, uh, songwriting intensive that's supposed to happen at Northwestern. But they were like, we're still doing it, but we're doing it digitally. I was like, ugh. <laughs> this is also the height of George Floyd, as you know. So, like, being black at that time was a very dark time. Like, the world's falling apart. Black people are getting murdered. It's being recorded and posted online. You're stuck at home getting, like... It was a lot, and so I did the Johnny Mercer Project. It was life-changing, and really through that, I met some of the most amazing mentors like Andrew Lippa and Stephen Bray, who wrote The Color Purple and had, has written for Madonna and is just amazing, has become an amazing friend, both of them. And Lindy Robbins, also now an amazing friend, one of the hit pop songs. She wrote Skyscraper by Demi Lovato, classic by Jason Derulo, Cinderella from Cheetah Girls 2, which is the one that I died wow. over. Wow. And, and count... 
Honestly, her resume, look her up, Lindy Robbins. Look up all these people, okay. but Lindy Robbins specifically because she's written so many songs that you know. Anyway, and Craig Carnelia. So right. through that, all of a sudden, I was meeting people I've looked up to my whole life. I had meetings. I ended up signing with a publisher and getting a, pu- a publishing deal. I got an agent. I started working, doing stuff for regional theaters and 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 it just kind of tumbled and I did a bunch of jobs and I did programs and I really can't even trace anymore where it all happened. It was just like it all and it's still it's still that's still mm-hmm. happening. It's just all happening and and I don't I'm not really able to keep track of like exactly how it happened, but yeah, it was juxtaposition of the world falling apart, everyone being heartbroken and me too, but at the same time all your dreams are coming mm-hmm. true. And so it it, it was like it was a really dysphoric experience that I think just made me appreciate my like life in mm-hmm. general more. Like and, and, and made me realize like, you know, life has seasons and you have to live in each season because had I not had all the pain I had earlier in my life and the heartbreak that I've had, I couldn't write these yeah. songs, you know? Right. And so to to be able to celebrate a lot of the trauma and a lot of the things that before were holding me back in this dark time and use use that to lift up people i mean it's like the best how could you have a better yeah you took that broken heart and you turned it into art you know i was i was told that well listen i i I can't quote me on that that was a professor that gave me that oh you plagiarized a professor from college gave me that but i definitely (laughs) took that that day and i have never forgot that professor who said that because i think a lot of people unintentionally are taking that breaking that broken heart and turning it into art and just hearing you know your process and your journey you had a lot to be motivated from instead of sitting in it you used your your given talent you know and now it's just it's just working for you and it it just is a reminder of lean into what you know lean into what comes natural to you my thing is when these songs are coming to you what if you're like out at a grocery store or if you're like out walking outside on the street what do you do when you get inspired by a song and you gotta like do you hold on to it or do you gotta like stop and write it down then like what do you do it really depends i think me being like neurodivergent is very helpful as a writer because i'm able to like keep ideas and like build like i'll I'll have songs for example little miss perfect i can say i wrote it in 30 minutes but what i mean when i say that is i sat down at the piano and wrote it down for 30 minutes i had had like the melody like in my head for a couple years the, of the chorus, like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I'll just have, ever since I was a kid, I would just, like, hum mm-hmm. stuff, and then I would not even realize I was making it up. My mom would be like, what are you singing? And I'm like, I don't know. Wow. I just, it popped in my head. And so, I'll, like, I will do that all the time, and I'll have ideas that are, like, ruminating, and then I'll, I'll if I'm working on a project, sometimes it'll come up of, like, oh, that melody would match this idea. And so then I'll actually sit down. Normally, it's not that I have to, like, stop while I'm out in the world. A lot of times it's like, if if I need to write down words or something, I might open a Google Doc or a Notes app and write down something, but I say that's rare. More so what it is is I might get a melody or some sort of cadence in my head, and then I'll just take out my voice memo and like, hum it, hum it, hum it. And then if I think it's as good, like the next day, I might like, you know, try to workshop it a bit. But I'd say it really, it really for me normally is like, I sit down to write something and have to kind of, get into it i'm an actor too so i think i lead a lot with improvisation Mm -hmm. and like just kind of 
pretending like I'm the character and seeing like what I would say if I was in that given circumstance. Yeah. And, you, you, you just mentioned yeah. you're an actor. It, when you have your actor hat yeah. on, what, what kind of roles do mm-hmm. you like to find yourself in? Do you write the roles you want to be in or is that different? Is it a whole different kind of vibe when you're an actor? That's a great question. I think, I don't know. I, I honestly, and this maybe speaks to why I want to be a writer. I have not found really any roles that I feel, like you asking that, I'm like, huh, what roles do I, and I'm like, I guess whatever roles people will cast me as, like, my def- my, my kind of default type of roles are like, I guess, Benny and In the Heights and like, okay. maybe Aaron Burr, but then like, a lot of these roles also come with a physical expectation uh, of like, these are always like the tall, yeah. thin got black, black guys who do these roles, and so I've never really... I, I guess Usher and Strange Loop has arrived right. and that, that feels more like something that could represent me but even that in yeah. a lot of ways doesn't feel like me yeah. um, even though it's like a, a great vocal placement <laughs> so it's just like I don't know that 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 I think is why I want to write musical theater is because I'm like I don't know I think we need more people writing yeah. more diverse types of and yeah I, I am writing when I write shows a lot of times I find myself putting myself into elements of myself not even just into the male characters but like elements of myself into roles and I'm always like ooh I'd love to be this part in my own show which is how I know that I like the show and maybe I'm doing a good job because like if I don't want to be in it I, my, my theory is if I don't want to sing it if I don't want to be the right. part chances are other people might not listen i i totally get that (laughs) i totally get that and uh, the whole idea of not fitting into the very narrow box that musical theater and broadway sometimes expects people Mm. to be in is very hard i i am very short well i'm not very short i'm just shorter than the average ensemble dancer boy and i remember Mm, that was kind of my track when i first came to new york was uh you know dancer so it was kind of just like a shock uh to move to New York and be so talented, you know, no, feeling so confident in your talent, but then realizing it's about physicality sometimes, or just like a, a appearance thing that you mm. can't change sometimes with the harshness that this industry kind of like gives. How have you like handled that though? The, the, the rejection that just naturally comes with being an actor, being an artist, you know, pursuing musical theater careers at all, you know, rejection come, comes up often. Or do you feel like, every door you've knocked on they've opened what's going on (laughs) no I've definitely had my fair share of rejection and I think something that I do I don't know I think over time I just kind of something that I try to focus more on is when I get something like and this is a tip for anyone who's like constantly submitting we can get lost in submissions we can get lost in it's really easy to get lost in like looking at people's the little check marks in their bios and it's like oh I need to get into this program and that program to be like all the people on the Jonathan Larson thing and maybe that will mean I'll get John you know whatever it's really easy to get in that toxic mindset what I do is when I get something and I get or, or even if I just show someone something and get a compliment from someone I admire I re-listen or reread whatever I sent and freshly while I'm in that mindset of you okay you got rewarded this was give you you got the thing you got the job you got the program you're in now go back and listen to what you did to mm. get it because it can be easy to remember what you did to not yeah. get things and then you end up editing yourself because you're like oh I didn't get this job when I did this kind of song so maybe I shouldn't do that kind of no that's not true different people have different opinions it's better to look at when you get something what yeah. did you do and so I try to do that, and that really helps me not focus on the rejection because it, 
if you if you're lucky over time you can look at the things that you got and the different levels of them and compare them to the things that you didn't get and go hmm i guess it just means different people have different opinions yeah, yeah it's really you're not gonna be for everybody and you know no. that's okay and you know the the no's help you know motivate the yeses and make the yeses feel so much yes. sweeter. you know so i totally yes. get that you know and i feel like you have so many yeses written for cabaret stage full musicals the silver screen and in, i'm seeing now you even work with the san francisco gay men's chorus Yes. What? Yes, Andrew Lipper brought okay, me on. So yeah. Like, what is the most fun thing to write for? Is it the musicals? Is it the silver mm. screen? Is it choral arrangements? Like, what? What's so? What's the most fun for you? Because you've done it all. Huh. So I'm just trying to figure out what's, I what's think... the most exciting. For you now. <laughs> I think the most fun will always be the sickening female saying Broadway big number i like the wizard and i the defying mm. gravity the moment in the woods the daddy's son for me that is what i that is what little me looked up to those moments in smash it would be don't Ugh, forget great me. Great you song. know what i mean those moments where it's like this is musical theater and which i think can exist the cool thing is that that idea can exist in movies now mm. that can exist in some ways, in pop mm. music, if you think about like a really good Adele song, yes. you know what I mean, or, a, or or "Listen" by Beyonce, which I guess is from a musical. So, really, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I that's probably the height for me is those really iconic staple musical theater moments that like I grew up rewinding to that one second where that singer does that thing in mm. her voice that you can't stop fixating on. Trying to write those songs for me is the best yeah. and so little miss perfect little miss perfect becoming one of those is really cool yeah no i'm i mean sing. yeah i would imagine it's very exciting and now you know writing for projects like lao lao crocodile do do yeah. you get starstruck you've, you've said a lot of yes. cool names on this podcast yes casually though so it gives like have you ever been starstruck <laughs> by anybody and who was that yes the biggest starstruck I've ever been was actually, I was very surprised. I was at the premiere for La La Crocodile, which was a crazy day of meeting so many people. And I was upstairs in the after party and I, I, I made some like off the comment. I was like making a joke with someone as they were passing by. And then I heard someone like say, oh, I saw that. And I look over and it's Queen Latifah. <gasps> And, and and she's just like being so friendly to me just like oh I saw your little moment like also trying to have a moment with me and I literally it was humiliating Kev I, I literally my jaw was and I was like uh, yeah hi or something like that and she just like made like the sweetest little face and was like have a great night and walked away and I stood there like for and it was it was Queen right. Latifah like it was insane she is the celebrity I've met who was the most I was the most starstruck but I get starstruck by everyone when I was working with Benj and Justin Paul Pascal Paul on the movie and writing with them I've had these I would forget they're so nice and they've become great friends but especially at the beginning I'd have these moments where I'd just be talking to them or something and then I'd like remember. They wrote Dear Evan uh-huh. Hansen. They wrote the... Wait, that's uh-huh. them. Wait, what? I'm sitting right there. And then you remember in one moment. And we remember in one moment. And then a lot of times, like, these people are so personable that, like, it's it's easy, honestly, to forget. That's how you know you're working with good people. If it is easy to forget all the things that they've yeah. done. And I feel really lucky that I... Pretty much all the experiences I've had with higher profile people, they've been 
sometimes more personable than less high yeah, profile yeah. so that's the cool so, thing yeah i yeah. mean it definitely is always cool i feel like for me the musical theater celebrities are always the most down to earth out of the yes. other brands or branches of entertainment yes the musical theater celebrities are always so cool uh it's just a different journey I think to become a celeb, quote unquote, celebrity in the musical theater world. Yeah. Um, and when you meet those people and they're just so regular, not regular because they're amazing, but just down to earth. Yeah. You know, it can be a little shocking. Now, for you though, yeah. You now have people who could potentially be starstruck by you. You know, younger generations, and they're you said they're pouring into you with such nice words about your songs and how you kind of like a savior sometimes. Um, do you ever go and talk to younger generations or do any workshops or anything like that? Or do you aspire to do something like that? Or do you feel like we're not there yet? I, I have done things here and there. And when I have, it's been so emotional. I don't know. Seeing, seeing even not, not even just be, not there. Cause they haven't been starstruck. I would say they, they're, it's, that's the cool part where I'm at now is I feel like it's more so that they're like, Thank you for like, like I'm trying to get my school like to do your show when it comes out. Like I'm your fan right now. I know that you don't have that many fans, but I want you to know like I am your really big fan. It's more like that, which is so cool. And then it it gets emotional because they'll they'll be like, I really want to. There'll be small town people talking about like what they want to do and how seeing that I came from Michigan makes them feel like they want to move to New York. And they're like, was it hard? Was it? Like, do you think that it's worth doing? Like, do, do you have any regrets? And I just see myself in them. Because, I mean, you know, being from the Midwest, New York Huge. and, and Broadway, it, it doesn't feel like something that happens mm-hmm. for people. So I totally understand their disbelief of like, because I remember asking people who did it those questions like, is it, can you really do it? Or is it kind of like you have to be picked out of the raffle, mm-hmm. you know? And everyone has, I remember people saying, you just have to really believe that you can do it and do anything that you can to make it happen. And that feels so like, you know, woo woo. But that's what mm-hmm. I tell them. I'm like, for me, I couldn't, t- there is not one thing that happened. There's not one person. There's not one song I wrote. It was more so, I think, the energy that over the last 13 years of my life, I was putting into the work. So then the work, because I had to work into my work, 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 <laughs> because I had the the time into the work, then when some the right person saw it, then it was yeah. quick. But it takes it takes all the so it's been really cool to just like be that for people and to be able to be like relatable. Like to, to talk to young black mm-hmm. people who are like, there's no one who looks like us doing this. How are you doing it? And I'm like, because there's one, there is more people than we right. think who look like us that are doing mm-hmm. it. That that is a little bit of a misconception. Absolutely. Maybe they're not getting as much maybe they're not getting as much credit. Yep. But they are there, and it's important to find them and elevate them, you know, and and, and, and join them. And so, yeah, it's it's really cool, and it, that's it's the best part is actually being able to pay it forward to the next little black queer neurodivergent kid in Michigan who maybe is gonna do something crazy like try to write okay, musicals. Okay, something crazy like try to write a musical. But I do think if yeah. there are going to be more and they are being inspired by you yeah. and everyone else doing, you know, you know, and having the same energy, there is a big push 
in you know black stories on Broadway right now, stories of color right now, and yes. I'm just so happy for this wave. I hope Amazing. it keeps pushing. I think it is based off of what I'm seeing and working at 54. I do think there's going to be a whole new era of Broadway on its way. And Jariah, I, I'm pretty sure you're about to be part of that. I really, I really oh, do. I, I'm, I'm just, just everything you've already accomplished, you know and that has happened to you you deserve it and you know what you're talking about you know your you know your stuff you know how the aunties would say it Thank you. but <laughs> i, ju- I just yes. feel like um do you find yourself to be a mentor to these younger people do you have your own mentor um and if not what would you you know if you're not mentoring anyone right now just a blanket piece of like motivation t- to help them out what would you say so I I have to answer all the all yeah. the questions. I do have mentors. I have quite a few. I'm lucky enough to feel like I, I do have a lot of mentors who are doing it and doing it big, and, and I'm able to text and call and meet up with if I have any questions. And I would love to be that for anyone. I, I don't currently have any mentorees, but I guess the biggest thing that I would say is to anyone who's trying to start writing. I guess I can only speak really to who's trying to write and trying to write musicals. You have to write bad songs mm. to write good ones, which maybe feels like a metaphor for life. You got to have bad relationships to have that. Well, not necessarily. You don't have to have a bad relationship to have an amazing relationship. But once you've had a bad, quote unquote, bad relationship, you're able to see what you didn't like about the relationship. So when you find the next person, it's like, hey, if you're not doing that right. So we can do that with a song. You can write a bad song and it's just as valuable as that great song because that great song really came off the stepping stone of all those bad songs and what you learned not to do or what to do. So I encourage people to like, you're always going to listen to your favorite composers and listen to your little song and go, I am not nearly as good as them. That's a good sign. That means that you are not delusional. Mm-hmm. So like have your moment of acknowledging that you have somewhere to go and let it be just that. And don't, don't judge yourself like you're on a journey you have to walk before you can run you know all those cliches it's just true you have to let yourself get better at it and writing is hard and takes a lot of different skill and perspective and experience so don't be too hard on yourself and create write when you have the idea write it down do it it's worth it all right, y'all. Yeah. Well, February 27th, 9.30. Oh, my goodness. Black Boy Joyful Noise mm-hmm. with the one and only Jariah Kwame. I mean, I'm so excited. Uh, they got to come. They're going to come. I mean, do you want to say anything else about the show other than come? Come, bring your yes. family, bring your friends. What do they expect? Um, be ready to yeah, jam out. Gonna, it's going to be a... Expect, so expect a collection of things. We're going to have some live perform well it's gonna be all live singing but like i'm gonna do some combination of some tracks to give like a full like i'm gonna do a couple hip-hop songs and a couple more pop songs that need tracks so we're gonna have that i'm gonna have a violinist we have some amazing talent some amazing vocal talent like Alyssa ray danny quadrino um we have we have so many people i really don't want to like we have to confirm some more, but we, we really do have a lot of amazing vocal talent, a, a, a wide variety of songs from musical theater to pop to R&B, but all leading with storytelling at its forefront and inclusivity at its backbone. Yes, okay, come on, y'all. He knows what he's talking about. Jariah Kwame, <laughs> don't miss this show. Jariah, thank you so much for sitting down and kicking in with me thank today. Thank you. This is so fun. 
This was amazing. You are so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. This was the fastest 30 minutes. Oh, yes. I love to hear that. Come on, friend. Yes. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, I'm your host, Kevin Ferguson. It was fun chatting with you today, Jariah, and everyone listening. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the 54 Below podcast. We will catch you next time. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to the 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.